tomorrow, gentlemen. We'll be in Las Vegas. Welcome to Vegas. Las Vegas functions on a 24-hour-a-day schedule. The pools, the casino, big volcano out in front. That's the Eiffel Tower. Bellagio. Riviera. The Mirage. Flamingo. Sahara. The MGM Grand. This isn't the real Caesars Palace, is it? On a camel. They always put the machines that pay off the most right in the front. Good luck. The Strip is just the most amazing stretch of road, I think, probably anywhere in the world. Kicking ass in Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. Welcome to Las Vegas. Luxor changed my life. It can be credited as the property that brought me to Vegas for the first time, with a theme that made me say, I've got to see that. The inspiration for this show, my love for just about all things involving the city, including becoming a student of its history, can all be traced back to this property. While it's true over the years, I've not spent a lot of time at Luxor. In fact, I haven't stayed at the property since my first trip. I can still say with no exaggeration, I love Luxor. This is the story of the first pyramid built in the desert in over 6,000 years. Coming off the tremendous success of the Excalibur project and looking to diversify their portfolio, Circus Circus Enterprises wanted to build again. Potentially fueling that desire was the Bill Bennett-Steve Wynn rivalry. The two pioneers in the Vegas market were basically polar opposites of one another. Bennett believed that no matter what Wynn built, he could build it better and less expensive. Wynn, on the other hand, thought that whatever Bennett built was just a lesser version of what he could do. In fact, it was said that Treasure Island was a direct response to Excalibur. Wynn told those close to him that Treasure Island would show Bennett how Excalibur should have been done. Regardless, Circus Circus was doing so well after opening the Excalibur that they would be able to fully finance their next project in-house from the corporation's cash flow. In November of 1991, Circus Circus Enterprises announced that they would build a pyramid-shaped resort known at the time only as Project X on the 46 acres of land in between Excalibur and the Hacienda. At the announcement, CEO Bill Bennett apologized to those in attendance saying, I'm sorry we don't have any funny hats to wear. A dig at Wynn, who had recently announced his Treasure Island project in a pirate-themed costume complete with a buccaneer's hat. Project X would be Circus Circus' first attempt at attracting a market beyond the low roller, a market they virtually cornered since Bill Bennett and Bill Pennington took over Circus Circus in 1974. While a name was being determined for the project, some joked it should be named Pyramid Pyramid, a play off the Circus Circus brand. Instead, the company turned to the public with a naming contest. Luxor was chosen, named after the city in Egypt of the same name located across the Nile River from the Valley of the Kings. Early plans called for a hotel in the shape of a U with what was called step-back layers because each floor was set back by two rooms, giving the structure a Mayan temple feel with a separate casino atrium. However, as the plan evolved, it became clear that the design was wasting space. If they went with a classic pyramid shape and put the casino in the atrium, they would be able to save money and better utilize the space. Original plans were for it to be 36 stories high, covered in gold glass, and connected to Excalibur via a monorail. At the front of the property would be a replica of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, with a hologram of the Sphinx 
hovering over a water feature. The Sphinx hologram idea evolved into a 10-story physical representation of the iconic Egyptian statue. At that height, the Sphinx at Luxor is actually three times larger than the real one that inspired it. The hologram idea evolved into the property's signature free attraction. At night, the Sphinx would shoot green lasers from its eyes over a water feature and spell the name Luxor on the side of an obelisk in front of it. When a 60-foot wall of water would rise up from the lake, the Sphinx would project a hologram of King Tut onto it, appearing to speak. Just like the Mirage Volcano before it, when the property opened, the light show at Luxor stopped traffic. Today, the Sphinx laser eyes have been turned off, and the water feature has been turned into parking spaces. Ground broke on March 16, 1992, with a planned budget of $290 million and an announced opening of October of 1993. Shortly after construction began, the project encountered problems. A corner of the pyramid was sinking. Engineers were called in to address the issue, but the incident inspired silly speculation that the pyramid was cursed. One version went as far as to claim the gods were angry that a replica pyramid was being built. The media gave it way too much attention, which drove Circus Circus CEO Bill Bennett crazy. Multiple tests were done to disprove the whole thing, which they did. However, as late as 2011, the sinking continues to be a lingering issue at the southeast corner of the pyramid that requires periodic maintenance to address. Over the years, unconfirmed reports of internal structural damage have surfaced, but inspectors continue to confirm the building is structurally sound. In June of 1993, it was announced that construction had reached the 28th floor and the last 70 feet of the pyramid would be installed in one piece. Housed in that piece would be the world's strongest beam of light. At 40 billion candle power, it can be seen not only from pretty much any place in Vegas, but on a clear night, pilots can see it up to 250 miles away. The lamp room is about 50 feet below the top of the building and is serviced by just two workers. It's comprised of 39 individual 7,000 watt lamps costing about $1,200 each. Curved mirrors are used to catch the light from the lamps and focus them into one intense beam. When at full power, it costs $51 per hour to operate, with $20 of that going to pay for the 315,000 watts of electricity needed to run it. While on, the lamp room reaches temperatures as high as 300 degrees Fahrenheit. The beam has operated reliably since it was first turned on at the grand opening. However, since 2008, only half of the lamps are lit as a cost and energy saving measure. On October 15, 1993, 12 days before Steve Wynn's Treasure Island was scheduled to open, Luxor opened in Las Vegas to a crowd of 10,000. The fourth largest pyramid in the world became an instant landmark in the Vegas skyline and was featured on the cover of Time Magazine and National Geographic. The 36-story building opened with 2,500-plus rooms and a 120,000-square-foot casino, the second largest in the U.S. at the time. Entering the property was intended to be a high-tech, movie-like experience with effects that would simulate time travel. The Egyptian theme was fully embraced throughout with restaurants like Papyrus, Pharaoh's Feast Buffet, and the Nile Deli. The property featured a collection of attractions that would tell the Luxor story, the adventure of an explorer who purchased the land that Luxor sat on, 
discovered the pyramid, and went on a quest to find a magical obelisk. The complete story was told over three attractions, a motion simulator, a live performance, and a 3D IMAX movie. The problem was, no one seemed to catch on to the fact that you were supposed to do all three of them and do them in sequential order. It didn't help that you had to buy the tickets for each attraction separately. And finally, the Nile River ride. Flat-bottomed reed boats, modeled after the ones used by ancient Egyptians, slowly running on tracks hidden under a foot of water in a 15-foot-wide concrete channel filled with water surrounding the atrium at the ground floor. Staff dressed up in costume and acted as tour guides, highlighting the various hieroglyphs etched on the walls and decor throughout the property and translating what they meant as they would pass them. Since the inclinators didn't go to all floors, it was necessary to have such a service attraction to make sure guests got to whichever of the four corners they needed to go to to get to their room. Capable of handling 11,000 people per day, originally the plan was only to offer the ride to guests staying at the property. But demand was so high, they began selling tickets for the attraction. Lines for the ride stretched all around the casino. From an attraction standpoint, the Nile River was a big hit. However, guests complained about having to wait for the ride to get to their room. At first, rather than stop offering the ride to the public, management simply continued to raise the cost of the attraction until it diminished desire. When that didn't work, they repackaged the Nile River ride as just an attraction and allowed guests to go directly to the inclinators. In its first year of operation, the Nile River ride generated 5.1 million in profits. Casino, hotel, and attractions all this housed in a 90,000 square foot atrium, one of the largest in the world, with the ability to fit nine Boeing 747 jets stacked on top of one another. Luxor was a technical marvel and an instant success for Circus Circus Enterprises, becoming the most profitable property in the company's portfolio. In its first year, 8 million people visited the pyramid, and it earned an estimated 90 million in profit before taxes. While the Mirage brought gamblers back to Las Vegas, Luxor brought new visitors to the city to see a pyramid in the desert. Despite all that success, beneath the surface, Luxor was a troubled property. The finished cost came in at approximately 400 million, 100 million over budget. When Luxor opened on October 15, 1993, those close to the project would say the property was $25 million and 30 days away from being ready to open. But the 18-month projected time frame to completion was held to, so Luxor could open before Steve Wynn's Treasure Island opened. The consequences of opening too early were apparent immediately. The monorail between Luxor and Excalibur didn't work. Rather than fix the issue and deal with whose fault it was later, Bennett insisted on suing the builder, leaving the monorail out of service when the property opened, preventing the easy flow of visitor traffic from a connection to Excalibur. Most of the second-level entertainment venues had last-minute technical issues and couldn't be open. Many of the rooms weren't ready. In fact, one story tells of a guest checking into their room and finding five TVs and no bed. Because they had not been installed correctly and were never tested, dozens of water pipes burst, causing water to gush from the guest rooms and cascade over the balconies, creating a 20-story waterfall inside the atrium. It seemed like every day the property had a new issue. It got to the point that the staff started to make jokes that pyramids were meant to be tombs, not hotels. The inclinators were a real pain point. 
The idea was really just a mine car being pulled up the side of a building. However, they had a lot of trouble finding the right polyurethane wheels so the ride wasn't so bumpy. Those bumpy rides caused a lot of people to be afraid of the inclinators. Logistics clearly weren't fully thought through as well. To save money, Bennett insisted that Luxor be built without service elevators to the guest floors. This forced bellhops, maids, maintenance, and room service to share the inclinators with guests. And since the inclinators did not go directly to the basement, staff had to get off of them and push their carts through the lobby to get to the elevators that would take them down to the basement. One positive thing that came from the cost-cutting measures, the choice of going with black panes of glass instead of gold. They weren't an aesthetic choice. Black was less expensive. Fortunately, the decision proved a unique visual as the panes appear to change color throughout the day, affected by the sun and the clouds. This choice had one giant issue at night. It disappeared. And the beam they put on top of the property to draw people to it appeared to belong to Excalibur at night. So, Luxor had to invest a million dollars into installing chaser lights that line the four exterior corners of the pyramid to give the structure shape and visibility at night. The system is comprised of 3,000 strobe lights fitted into five-foot-long cylinders plugged into one another. 108 cylinders are used per corner. The command center that controls it all is located on the 30th floor of the pyramid, set to run automatically each night with the ability to create up to 150 different designs and patterns. The people who designed it, B Engineering, are the same people who built the mechanical window washer used at Luxor. Shortly after Luxor opened, a seismic shift began to happen at Circus Circus Enterprises. We hope you've enjoyed this premium content preview. For access to the rest of this episode, as well as all the premium content we offer, go to patreon.com slash 360vegas. A monthly subscription will give you access to the enhanced version of the podcast, often with bonus content, exclusive podcasts like 360 Vintage Vegas, 360 Origins, 360 Vegas Movies, insider information on all things 360 Vegas, 360 Vegas Vacation, and early access to everything. To subscribe, simply go to patreon.com slash 360vegas. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Or you can find a link to Patreon on our blog, 360vegaspodcast.com. Yeah.